So, guys, um, welcome to church. Welcome to week two of our Taken Captive sermon series. And I'm really excited just for the word tonight. But um, first, Heinrich, Annika, team, guys, thank you for just leading us um, yeah, just powerfully in worship. Can we give them a hand? Um, and then, whom of you can, like, identify with the state of what that room looks like, that that can um, almost, like, signify what your mind looks like, what's happening in your mind right now? Okay, whom of you are aware of the fact that you have stuff happening in your mind right now, other than just my voice? Okay, um, whom of you can get distracted? Yes, I see you, Ruel. Hi, this is good. Welcome to church. Um, guys, you're all welcome to give like a huge wave if you want me to greet you personally. Um, yeah, I say I see that hand. <laughs> that was the purpose, Ruel, right? Yes, okay. Um, but in that video, we spoke about just a couple of facts that um, the average person, whom of you are above average? Okay, come on, let's be above average, church. So the average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 uh, thoughts per day. And of those, 95% are repetitions of yesterday, and 80% of them are negative. Or like the video said, I won't say who it was, Jakob van der Bank, but 80% are negative. Okay, you guys didn't get that dramatic pause effect, but it's okay. But think about that for a moment. So right now, in your mind, there is a conundrum of thoughts happening right here. 95% of them have zero relevance to right now. And 80% of them are negative. So there is a storyline that you are telling yourself, which is programmed in one way or another towards negativity. That's crazy, right? Who of you think that's a bit crazy? No one. Thank you, Valdi. But this is important, and I'm going to show you tonight why this is important. And I want to give you a disclaimer before we continue that tonight is going to stop at a position where you're going to cry out. Many of you are going to be on your knees and you're going to say, please do not stop preaching. We want to stay here longer. But I'm going to say, no, we'll continue next week. Is that fine? Okay, so I know that you're going to cry out for me to not stop preaching, but we are going to stop. And then we're going to continue next week because we're going to stop at a cliffhanger. It's like when you've watched episode one of The Chosen and you're like, I have to wait three weeks for episode two. Okay, that's what it's going to be like, but you'll only wait till next week. But your body is mind, uh, body, soul, and spirit, right? You as a person. So your body is your organs, your flesh, the things you can touch. Your soul is your mind, your intellect, your consciousness, your emotions, the non-physical stuff. And then you have your spirit being that needs to be made alive in Christ, okay? So your body, the physical, is led by the soul, the non-physical, so that's important. This means that um, your mind leads your brain. So whatever is formed in your mind will direct your next steps. And this then causes you to act and speak in a certain way. That then influences what you think. That then influences what you say and do. That influences what you think. That influences... You guys get the picture. So you're in this repetitive theme of thinking, speaking, doing, thinking, speaking, doing. Now, some of you might have heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf, but she says the following, As you think, you choose. As you choose, you cause genetic expression to happen in your brain. This means that you make proteins, and these proteins form your thoughts. 
Thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. As we think and imagine, we can change the structure and the function of our brains. Our brain is changing moment by moment as we are thinking. So here's how it works. You feed your brain with thoughts. These thoughts form actual physical things, proteins, that house in them these truths, all right? And then as this thought now becomes an actual space in your mind that occupies mental real estate, this now forms a position of truth in your mind. Everyone say position of truth. Now that's important, all right? It doesn't say it forms a position of um, the truth. It just forms a position of truth in your mind. doesn't necessarily mean that that position is the truth. And this position of truth um, that is now formed by your thinking influences your speaking and your acting, and this ultimately influences your quality of life. So these positions of truth in your mind will direct your belief system, what you believe. What you believe is right, what you believe is wrong. It will determine your dreams, your hopes, your desires, and the story you tell yourself, but also the story you tell about yourself. So there's so much locked up in your mind. Everybody put their finger there. Okay. Dunk. Now you are thinking already. Okay. Not all of it is good, but you are thinking. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, for as he or she thinks in his heart, so is he. So as you think in your heart, so you are. Now that's quite a powerful statement, right? Because that means what is happening currently in your mind space is directly influencing where your life is at right now, whether good or bad. So if you go to that next image, the one person, um, there's one person in, in churches whose laugh is like contagious. Whom of you want to take a vote? Anyone want to say Vina Ann? Yes. <laughs> all right, so that person there with the joy and all of that, that signals Vina Ann for me, all right? So, like, you want to be like that person that's full of joy. The other side is someone who's not very healthy and alive. But you find yourself somewhere on this scale. So I want you to take a moment and just reflect on your own life right now. You think about your quality of life. And I'm not speaking about physical things, whether you have a job and whether you have a, a roof over your house, etc., a roof over your head. Um, I'm not speaking about the physical things. But when you think about joy, when you think about the emotions that's currently being housed inside of you, where is your life at right now? Are you at a space where you are extremely um, full of joy about where your life is, the way you view yourself, the way you think other people view you, the way you think about your hopes, your dreams, your future, is it at a space where it's healthy or is it at a space where it's toxic? As you think, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want to come and invite you right now that you will speak through all the noise. I thank you, Lord, that we can now just bring our lives under your rulership, your authority, your lordship, as we sang just now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and speak into our lives tonight, that you will bring to mind, Lord, the things that you want to highlight. If you're in a space tonight, just while your eyes are closed and while we're still in this moment of prayer, 
if you're in a space where you're saying, Holy Spirit, I really want you to speak to me, um, and I'm not going to direct or dictate what I want you to say or not say. I just want you to speak to me tonight. Won't you just voice that to him in your heart right now? Thank you, Lord, that you honor just the simplicity of that prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to take a look at two very simple points, all right? And then we're going to look at some application steps that's going to set you up at a position where you're going to be begging me to not stop, and then we're going to go have coffee. Are you guys in for that? All right. So the first point is, not everything you think is true, and that's bad. Not everything you think is true, and that's bad. So over the next two Sundays, we'll be taking a look at a very simple portion of Scripture in Genesis 3 that we'll be unpacking. All right, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was good. And then God created man and woman, and He said, it is very good. All right, remember, um, us humans are distinct from the rest of creation by God's design, not our own choice. So God looks at creation, and He says, it is good. God looks at us as humans, and He says, it is very good. And then chapter 3. So chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, and you'll, you can follow with me on the board. Now the serpent was more crafty or cunning than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent, said to the woman, did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you will become woke, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was, food, was good for food, does it say there food for food? It says food for food on my notes as well. So when the woman saw that the tree was food for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And all the men said, Eve, what have you done? Sin entered into the world when Eve listened to the serpent. No. If you read the story further, um, their eyes were opened when Adam ate. Because God entrusted creation to Adam as the ruler of the house. But we're not going to get to that part of the story tonight. What I want us to reflect on is the power of thought. And this is the way that the serpent, that the devil tempted Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say? So he sows a seed of doubt. And this is where it all started. So he says to them, you will not surely die. So the doubt that he has sown now is transferred into an outright lie. You will not die. You will become like God. You will become wise. You will know good and evil. And the, the, the serpent is saying to them, God is withholding something from you. There is something good that God does not want you to have. There is something better for you that God is keeping from you, 
and then we see them acting upon the doubt, and they believe the lie, they are tempted, they desired it, and Satan said to them, you will be like God. You will be like God. And friends, we need to understand that the strategy of the enemy has not changed. He still enters into your life, and he tempts you with the idea that you can be in control of your own life. You can be like God. You can determine for yourself what is good and what is evil. You can be wise like God is wise. And God doesn't want you to be Him. He wants to be the only one that has the glory. He's withholding something from you that is good. And they act on that doubt. They believe it. They eat of the fruit. And then we see the consequences of that. And here's the, the key principle. A simple thought can take you out of the presence of God. A simple thought can take you out of the presence of God. They were in the Garden of Eden. After this story, we see them removed from the Garden of Eden, where angels were placed to guard the entrance to Eden. And not only are they removed from God's presence, they were removed from God's purposes, and ultimately they were removed from God's goodness. You see, when we look at the world right now, it's not difficult for us to see that not everything is good. When we look at our own lives, the first thought that comes to mind isn't always very good. Now, 80% of what we think about ourselves is negative. I should have done better. So two important facts about the brain. It doesn't distinguish between a lie and a truth. Your brain just works on the information that you feed it. So there's no filter to say, oop, red light, beep, 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 this is a lie, and it filters it out. No, it just takes all of the information that you feed it, and then from that information, it forms these positions of truth. So when you think on a lie, when you meditate on something that is not true, your brain will process that exactly the same way as a truth. And that information will be processed, it becomes part of your truth position, and then this influences your belief system, your speech, your actions, and it leads you away from the goodness of God into brokenness, into toxicity, and ultimately into death. So there's this agenda from the serpent to take you out of the goodness of God. Remember, his fate is already sealed. Even in that moment in the Garden of Eden, the serpent already knows his fate. But he's now trying to destroy what is precious to God, you and me. And he tempts you with a lie. When you receive that lie and you act on it, you make that lie your own. It forms a position of truth in your life that will now direct the rest of your story. And as you continue to act from that position of truth, remember, if that position is a lie, you are continually living from a lie, and then you are just adding more lies to your life. Can you guys see how toxic that will become? And the ultimate end of that is death. It might be a momentarily death emotionally. It might be a death spiritually. But ultimately, it leads, it leads to physical death, spiritual death, separation eternally from God. So we are taken captive by negative thoughts. It's as if we are in a prison of our own minds. Statistics say that 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illnesses come from your thought life. 75 to 98% of physical, behavioral, and mental illnesses come from your thought life. We need to understand, friends, that the way that God has designed you 
is that you live from positions of truth. That the way that your brain works, it will dictate to the rest of your body what it needs to do, what it needs to believe, how it needs to speak, how it needs to think. So when we are consumed with negative thought, then that will become the storyline that we follow, but also the storyline we tell ourselves. So thinking produces change, whether it's good or bad. So toxic thinking changes your brain, wiring through mind and body into stress. And toxic thinking wears down the brain. It makes the brain weak. The, the science behind how your brain works and how it processes negative information is actually incredible that you can think yourself dead. That you can think yourself into such a toxic space where your brain becomes weakened and you actually break down some um, proteins in your brain. You break down brain matter and your brain can actually shrink just by the effect of your thinking. The second truth about your brain is it will by default choose the shortest path to a thought position or a position of truth. It will by default choose the shortest route. It's like Google Maps, right? If you say you want to go to Menlin, then Google Maps gives you the quickest route. If there's an accident, it tells you there's an accident, take another route. Now, think about whom if you drive on the N14 sometimes to work, all right? So way back when, maybe two years ago, there wasn't as many lanes. And then sometimes you would get onto that road and there would be like a massive buildup of traffic. But now they've added lanes to it, so traffic flows easier. Now your brain works the same way, that there is an information coming in from the outside that is being connected to a position of truth. And your, mind will, your brain will find the shortest route there from point A to point B. And the more you think about that thought, whether it's a truth or a lie, the more lanes are being added to that thought route, that, um, that narrow pathway. So the more you think about it, the wider that narrow pathway becomes. And the wider the pathway becomes, the easier it is for your mind to access that truth or the lie and apply it to this truth position, whether that position is based on a truth or a lie. Now, this will cause you to have these triggers in your life, right? Whom of you are sometimes triggered? Someone doesn't like your social media post, and you're triggered. <laughs> Someone likes your social media post, like, why do they like my social media post? I don't want them to look into my life. But here's the thing, if you're battling with a sense of feeling unworthy, if that's the position of truth that you've held onto in your mind, that you are not good enough, everything around you will tell you that very same story. So you'll come to church and no one greets you. And you process the information that you experience externally. You attach it to that biggest highway that goes to this position that says, I'm not good enough. You see, no one greeted me when I came to church tonight. I'm not good enough. You see, it is correct. You come to church and everyone greets you. Why is everyone greeting me? Did someone tell them about me? Is someone gossiping about me? We laugh at it because it is kind of stupid. But friends, that is how we live. We act this way in everything. Now, when we get into our relationships or our workplaces, you get a promotion um, or you don't get the promotion, it feeds that very same um, lie narrative that you're believing. 
you're on campus, and the guy doesn't like you, he likes your friend. It feeds that very same lie that you are feeding yourself. And everything that you process coming from the outside speaks into this position of truth that you have built up for yourself. Whether this person meant it or not, you know, sometimes people in, in their own lives also have stuff that they work through. Like sometimes you'll be going through a tough time, and then we forget that other people also have real stuff happening in their lives. And in that moment, I might be going through a tough time, and I, I get to the band practice, and Heinrich doesn't ask me, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Because he's also maybe going through a bad time. And I'm standing there, it's like, you see these church people, they're so fake. They just want me to play guitar, and then that's just it. The, all these church people are just so fake. Everyone in church is just so fake. And now you come to church, and someone else also doesn't do something that you think is the right way of doing it. I knew it. I knew it. I give up on church. Do you guys see how toxic it is when we allow these positions of truth that are formed or based on a lie to now direct everything, every information that we process? Whether someone means it or not, we process it according to those positions of truth that we hold in our hearts. So we are all taken captive one way or another. The second point is that not everything you think is true, and that's good. <laughs> not everything you think is true, and that's good, because it means you can change. If you are currently holding on to a lie in your life, there is good news because it means that you can change it. Science uses the term neuroplasticity. It's a big word. I think it's on the board. Yes. Um, neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to adapt to changes in an individual's environment by forming new neural connections over time. Neuroplasticity explains how the human brain is able to adapt, master new skills, store memories and information, and even recover after a traumatic brain injury. Your brain is incredible. Your brain is incredible, and it has the ability to renew itself, to rewire itself. It sounds a little bit like Romans 12, right? I remember when Paul wrote this in Romans 12, verse 2, they were looking through the, 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 the what do you call those things, Sinead, where they look into the cells of things. Um, I wanted to say a telescope, but we're not looking at the stars. A microscope, I was testing you guys. We're above average, remember. So I remember when Paul was writing this in Romans 12, they were in a science lab looking through a microscope into the cells of a human brain. No, they didn't have that. This was just the Spirit of God showing them what we've now discovered through science. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So there is a way that seems good to a man that leads to death ultimately. There is a pattern that this world follows. There is a storyline that the devil wants you to believe. Paul is saying, do not conform, do not um, adapt yourself to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Friends, there's a way for you and me to know the truth of God. God is not this... Um, egotistic beings sitting high in the heavens and thinking about you and looking at your life thinking, yes, you guys are in trouble, but I really hope you make it. God is not this being that's far removed from His creation um, and almost like giving you these breadcrumbs, like, I hope you discover me somehow. 
Um, I hope like Hans, Hansel and Gretel, you find your way home. There's a way for you to know the truth of God. There's a way for your life to be established in the truth of God. So not everything you think is true, but there is a way for us to know what is true and then to think on that. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, we what? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So you've got to understand that you are in a war. That when God created Adam and Eve, He looked over their lives and their identities and their purpose, and He said that it is good. It is very good. Now, the serpent has a very real agenda with your life, and that is to remove you from the goodness of God. He has that agenda. Whether you acknowledge Him or not, whether you acknowledge God or not, there are these two agendas at play, and there is a war for your life. And you are in a spiritual battle. And there are arguments, opinions raised against the knowledge of God where God is speaking a truth and the serpent, whether it is through social media or mainstream media or society or culture, that wants to write a different story, a different truth than the truth of God. It is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Now it is mine and your responsibility to, to do what? To take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So what happens is that thought, if you do not take it captive, becomes part of your truth position, and this will now multiply and duplicate itself, ultimately leading to more brokenness, more toxicity, ultimately death. Unless you take captive every thought and you make it obedient to Christ. So there's a thought that comes in. There's a temptation that comes in. And you make it obedient to Christ. You cannot do that if you do not know the truth. You cannot take captive a thought and make it obedient to Christ if you do not know what Christ is saying. Friends, there is no victory, there is no freedom apart from the Word of God. It says there in, in that scripture, we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. That word divine power means the power lies not within yourself. That's good news. If I had to rely on myself for victory and breakthrough, I would not get very far. So there is a lie scripted for you to believe. If you go into the whole gospel story continuing from Genesis 3, because Adam and Eve sinned, you and I were born into sin. We have also chosen by ourselves to do what is not honoring to God, that is disobedient to God, but we were born into sin. So right from the beginning, there is a story written over your life, almost like um, your DNA is the language of who you are and all of that, almost as if there's this cancer infused into your DNA that has now scripted a lie for you to live. And you are taken captive within that lie. But you do not need to remain there. You do not need to continue to believe the lie that has been scripted for you to believe. So you might not be able to control 
what happens around you. But you do have control over how you process what happens around you. So the power of choice, the power of free will. And choices are real. The choices um, that you make, so we are free to make choices. But the choices we make um, do have a very real effect on all of our lives. So going back to that scripture, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. You see, friends, there's also a truth that is written over your life. There's also a truth that is written over your life. And it is now you and your and mine responsibility to seek out that truth and then to apply that truth to our thoughts so that we can renew the way that we think. And it'll have the same effect. It'll have the same effect. You see, the more you break down a lie, the, strong, the, the, the weaker that stronghold becomes over your mind. But you then intentionally need to replace that lie with a truth. And as you continually do that, you start to form a new position of truth. And from this new position of truth, your belief system changes. Your belief system is critical, and every single one of us have a belief system. And in one way or another, there is change and transformation that needs to happen within your belief system. But as you continually think upon the truth, there is a change that takes place. So new pathways are formed, new positions of truth are performed, and these lies start to lose their stronghold over your life. You start to get out of captivity. A, a counselor, Madge Dazel, said the following, negative thoughts are like a train stopping at the station. You cannot control whether the train pulls into the station, but you can control whether you get on. And if you don't get on for long enough, the train will stop pulling in. It's a cool way to think about it, right? Stop believing the lie. But the only way that you'll stop believing the lie is if there's a greater truth for you to walk in. So I want to conclude with three, three what nows. Okay, so it's a lot of information. It's a lot of information that you've got to process and now you're thinking about your think, what you're thinking about and you try to filter out the other stuff that you've got to do tomorrow and do we have food at home? What now? Three simple things. Identify wrong beliefs and thoughts. So to identify what is a truth and what is a lie, John 17 verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them, cleanse them in the truth. Your word is truth. Friends, if you want to know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is, start to read your Bible. We, we said it last week, I think. Um, but when you open up your Bible and you make a decision to say, I'm going to submit myself to the authority of this Bible, then you'll start to see that Word of God being, um, having an effect in your life. You don't always need to understand everything even because the Word is spiritual before you'll start to see the natural effect. But if you're willing to step into a humble space and to say, God, I'm choosing to believe that your word is the truth, will you come and form this in my life? I promise you that you'll start to see the word of God being formed in your life. So identify a truth from a lie. Dispute and challenge wrong beliefs by placing them in the right context. You see, sometimes you've formed a position of truth over your life based in a context that was very narrow. Maybe you were in high school and your boyfriend cheated on you with the girl next door. And from that, you made a decision that you are not worthy um, and no man will ever love you. No, it's childish people who act childishly. And don't allow immature thinking 
to form mature positions of truth in your heart. So to place those scenarios that you've gone through into the right context, and we'll speak a bit more about that next week, and then replace unhelpful thinking with helpful thinking. How many of you have heard about the phrase positive thinking? Everyone, hey? it's, it's everywhere. Positive thinking by itself does nothing. You can go to a conference and we can name the conference, You Are Worthy, and all the songs we sing can basically say, You are worthy, you are worthy. Every session we do can say, You are worthy, you are worthy. You will go home after that weekend and you will say, I am worthy. And then two weeks later, something happens at work, I'm not worthy. <laughs> because there's temporary change. But God's desire for you is not to have temporary change or to live from moment to moment to moment. God has a desire for you to walk in freedom, that you would not be taken captive by what's happened in the past. Either stuff that you've done or stuff that has been done to you, where guilt and shame plays a huge role. Positive thinking, when it's applied incorrectly, has no change. But there's a place of right believing. And right believing is based on Scripture. So if we take, for instance, a couple of scriptures, if you go to that, oh, you go to the next one? Yes. No, that's not it. Go back. Yeah, that's where we want to be. All righty. Um, now, some scriptures, and I'm going to run through these scriptures quickly because we're not going to spend time on them. This is your homework, so make notes. Sometimes we treat scripture as a band-aid meaning you are confronted with a, a thought that you're not good enough. And then you get into Scripture. No, you must take every, every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And it's almost like you make this paper bomb and you throw it at the lie. But it has no effect. Or we want to place that Scripture as a band-aid over the brokenness, but we don't want to get into the depth of why am I feeling unworthy. There is a lie rooted into your belief system that is saying, you are not good enough, you will never make it. And just placing a band-aid over that wound will not clean it, will not heal it. So you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to get into that wound, to start to scrub it open. And that sometimes hurts, right? When you've got to scrub a wound open, so that God can get to the root of why you are holding on to a truth that is not a truth. Something has happened in your life, in your past, that has caused you to take this position that you're not good enough. And God wants you to be healed, not just to have a band-aid for the next week or two. So some scriptures are motivational. Some scriptures are inspirational. Some scripture are statements. But some scripture are instructions. And it, call, it, it asks of you to do something about this. So we walk not in the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. So I take that thought that is not a truth, and I reject it. I take captive that thought. The next scripture. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Friends, that doesn't happen automatically. Your mind doesn't change when you quote that scripture. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And all of a sudden your mind changes. No, it takes diligent study of the Word of God so that the lies can be exposed and they can be replaced by truth. The next one. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So now you're facing, facing anxiety, and you're quoting that scripture. Nothing will change because it's an instruction. It's asking you to do something. And then the next one. For the Spirit, of God gave, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So there's a space where we apply self-discipline. We apply self-discipline, friends. We apply self-discipline. Whom if you apply self-discipline to go to work in the morning? I know many of you love your jobs, but some of you have to drag yourself out of bed. None of my staff are raising their hands. Well done, guys. That's good. Uh, we see that high in Kylan. The same way that you apply discipline to get out of bed, to go to work so that you'll receive a salary so that you can pay your mortgage and buy food, God is asking, will you place the same emphasis on your spiritual health and growth? Will you apply discipline to get into my word? And then finally, and then Heinrich and Annika, you guys can come up. There's one more hurdle in this whole story. Sometimes you know a lie. You know it's a lie, all right? Someone comes and they say something to you or something happens at work, and there's this thought that I'm not good enough. I'm never going to get to um, the dreams that I have for my life. But something that happens, and you know it's a lie, all right? So you've identified the lie. Give yourself a high five. But now, you also, you even know the truth, you can even go to your Bible and you go to the right Scripture and you can get to the right Scripture that now replaces the lie. And then you read your Bible and you walk out of your room and you're like, hello, lie, <laughs> my best friend. And if you've experienced that, you know it's a lie. You know that this thought is not the truth. You even have the Scripture that counters this lie, but you still walk out believing the lie. You guys want to know why? Because I heart that has been disappointed, a heart that has been hurt, a heart that has been broken, a heart that has been let down, bruised, a captive heart struggles to believe new truth. So it's not just that we have to have a renewing in our minds. Our hearts need to be set free as well. And that's what we're going to speak about next week. So don't miss next week. Because even though you know the truth, unless your heart is changed and set free, you will not believe a new truth. You will continue to, to believe the story that you've been telling yourself. But there is a better way. If you go to the last slide, Marielle. While Heinrich and Annika is just ministering this song, the song speaks about giving up control. And friends, the thing that is challenged is this age-old thought. Is God really good or is He withholding good from me? Did God really say, like if God is saying something in His Word, can I really trust Him that it will be good for me? You see, when you've got this huge position of truth in your life, that position of truth will even direct and dictate what the Word of God should or shouldn't say. But can you get to a place where you're willing to surrender control of your life and to say, God, I want you to be the director and to give the direction for my life. I'm going to give up control. And as they just minister this song, just reflect on those three questions. And this is just for you and the Holy Spirit. 
What toxic thoughts do you need to let go of? Who do you need to forgive? Friends, when you live with unforgiveness in your mind, it will form a stronghold. And you can try and quote as many scriptures as you want. You can meditate on scripture for the rest of your life. Unless you forgive, you are giving the enemy a legal stronghold over an area of your life. And then what truth, what truth do you need to believe? There's a space where the devil has taken you captive so much that even if God was to say to you, I love you, you still wouldn't believe it. Like, yeah, it's just coincidence that, someone, that someone's saying that in church tonight. It's not for me. What truth do you need to believe tonight? So as they minister, minister, just spend some time with the Holy Spirit.